Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another great, awesome, powerful Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Alex, you know what? We've been doing this for almost five years now, and I five really... years. It seems like yesterday when you said four. <laughs> Maybe it was. <laughs> well, it's very it's very possible because time just flies. I, I mean, I was talking to my wife the other day, and it was like, man, it's almost spring. I the know. year's almost over. <laughs> uh, it's the, the year's almost over. <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't it? It's just like it's like gone. Well. I I love this time of the year. It's spring when we're yeah. recording this. I we just moved into this new house and I'm looking out across 2500 acres of state park. 3 of wow. those 2500 acres are our backyard, but seeing the uh we moved here in December, so I've not seen any leaves. It's been 3 months. We've not seen anything green on the trees since we moved here. Yeah. Starting to hear the birds more and more starting to see some green on the trees a little bit. I saw a robin this morning, so that's a good sign. Okay. Well, this isn't the bird real estate investor. The bird Yeah, but podcast. robin means spring. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm not an ornithologist or anything, but, you know. All right, all right. So um, I want to get into this right away. <laughs> we have been doing Let's this. There, there, there's a reason why we've been doing this podcast for – uh, five years now. It's because it's a lot of fun. I enjoy yeah. I enjoy hanging out with Alex virtually uh, through Skype. I I enjoy uh, talking to these guests that we have on the show, teaching people what's going on in our business, what we're help how we're helping other people. Uh, so this is going to be an exciting interview because Alex, we've never talked to anybody about mobile home investing before. I am not actually. And by the way, Alex has his cell phone voice on today. Well, actually, actually, you know what? No, I take that back. I have. I've had, uh, and I bet you our guest has heard of this guy. Lonnie Scruggs was actually here in my local market. Yeah. Uh, at one, one of, um, and he, he was very heavily involved with, uh, with the RIA here. And Lonnie Scruggs was like, I think can investing or something like that. But he was a, he was a giant when it came to mobile home investing. Yeah, now, John, have you heard of uh, Lonnie Scruggs? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you two are, I've just been sitting back here. I got a big smile on my face. You two are hilarious. <laughs> this is going to be a very good uh, podcast. Uh, but yeah, Lonnie Scruggs is the uh, grandfather um, in this uh, industry. Um, but uh, I've heard everybody talk about him, but I have never heard him talk. I've never heard, of, I've never heard well, of any of his presentations. you will have to buy a tape or a CD or something because yeah. he is no longer with us. Yeah, that's sad. He, I know he passed away recently, but uh, yeah. his he his teachings live on. And uh, so, our guest today, Alex, is John Fedro. John yes. Fedro, and John, you live in Texas, right? Correct. And guys, listen, we intentionally didn't ask him a bunch of questions before we started this podcast because we want it to be like raw and live, and we want you to hear what we're hearing. Real. Yes. So. Uh, John, you live in Texas, and I'm looking at your Skype picture here. You look like you're still in high school. 
Thanks. I appreciate that. You know, I always didn't <laughs> like that gr- growing up, uh, but now I still get car- carded I it even though I'm <laughs> mid thirties. Yeah. When I don't get carded, I get a little bit, I'm a little sad. Of course, <laughs> I still like, I'm in high, I still look like I'm in high school too. <laughs> there's some grays coming in. There's a little bit of thinning hair. <laughs> if you look close. <laughs> right. Right on. So you're in your mid thirties and you're doing this crazy thing with mobile homes. Talk about that. Oh my goodness! I could talk for five hours. I could talk for days. All right. Well, then let me let me steer it a little better. Then, uh, what were you doing in high school? <laughs> and when you got out of high school, uh, what did you? What was your career path? What did you want to do? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think I wanted to be a chef at one point, and then a physical therapist, and then a plastic surgeon. My family was in the health field, so I, I started with uh, pre pre med, and then quickly uh, after going to a few years of, of college, decided that that was not for me. I couldn't listen to people's problems all day. Uh, <laughs> couldn't handle the sight of blood. Um, so just went uh, quickly. I bounced around. Well, I stopped school, uh, decided that that wasn't for me at the time. Worked just just mundane job after job, cell phone, uh, parking lot attendant, Walmart, uh, you know, super not happy. I mean, I knew that there was so much more inside of me. Uh, you know, than working just for a minimum wage. No matter what it, you know, no matter what kind of pay I was getting, I was just kind of working for someone else, and I didn't like that. Um, so I always wanted to work for myself. And a gentleman that I was uh, roommates with at the time, still a good friend, um, had a real estate book, and this was a, a infomercial kind of guru at night book. I picked it up, read through it all who, in one who weekend. Was it? Who was it? Uh, who was it? It was uh, uh, who was it? Dean Grassi. No, but just as much of a guru, Carlton uh, White Sheets. Sheets. Thank you. Yes, how could I not remember that? Oh, so she, Carlton Sheets. So it was, it was, it was Sheets, and um, wow. so so I went through uh, the course, went through it all in one weekend. Realized kind of later that those were kind of pie in the sky numbers. You know, the ideal type of real estate deals. But it got me hooked. I mean, this is something I could do. I didn't know anything about real estate, but hey, this is the vehicle that could, you know, I have all the requirements. I'm alive. I'm a go-getter. Uh, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a degree. You know, I have, I have time. So, hey, this is for me. I'm a kid, but, you know, I can do this. So that was the, just the start of the real estate. Uh, now, that wasn't anything mobile home related, but that was the, what turned me on to this. Alex, God bless Carlton yeah. Sheets. We've talked about him before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's one of the guys I bought uh, first. One of the well, I think I bought one of his courses on eBay. Actually, is he still um, is he still alive? I, I would imagine he's still alive. I, I doubt. I mean, he's not really selling info anymore. I do not believe. What um, would it take to get him on our show? Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> well, be you know, it's interesting. I've got uh, Carlton Sheets was one of the guys that that got me in, uh, and Russ. Dalby from winning in the cash flow business. I bought his, I actually bought his course directly. Well, no, did I? No, I think I bought that on eBay too. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. But Dalby's had some, had some, uh, some um, issues, <laughs> but John, we have, John, we have interviewed so many people who got started with either Russ Whitney, uh, uh, what's his name from rich dad, Robert Kiyosaki <laughs> or, um, uh, Dean Graciosi. And I, I think it's awesome, actually. I mean, you know, did you ever do any deals using Carlton Sheets stuff? 
Absolutely not. And and no no disrespect to Carlton Sheets. Uh, it was just a no, no, I didn't. That's another I can expound on that. Okay. Uh, that actually helped me get into mobile homes. But no, no, I definitely didn't do any. Well, that's uh, a great segue then. Now, how old were you when you were starting to venture into this? That was 2002. Um, so I was, I just turned, I was 19. I was just about to turn 20 because I remember it was wow. spring break of, yeah, right. That I got my first property right after spring break of uh, 2002. I was studying for the first part of the year and then. Uh, you know, you go through that when you're first kind of, quote unquote, studying real estate, you know, how much do I need to know before I just full, you know, pull the trigger for the first time and I'm going to study a little bit more and do a little bit more research. And, yeah. <laughs> but then eventually you got to pull the trigger. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, then uh, talk about your journey after that point then. What happened? Sure. Next. Well, I had a, a, just a few thousand dollars of life savings, which was I was very proud of at that at that time. Um, so a few thousand dollars of life savings wanted to, I was in Tampa at the time, Tampa, Florida, where my goodness, you could buy a home and clean the window and resell it for a, pro a profit. Yeah. And I wanted to uh, do single family homes. I mean, that's what I, yeah, that was prestigious. That was real estate investing. That's, that's what I learned from Carlton Sheets, just in the little course, in the little books. So that's what I wanted to do. I mailed letters. I knocked on doors. Um, I had a marketing campaign. And through one thing of, or another, not nothing to do with Carlton Sheets. Again, I'm sure it was me looking back. It was a you know small fish in a really big pond. But I didn't get any deals. Ninety days of really busting my butt. You know, looking back, I really was putting forth a lot of effort. I went through my life savings on marketing, uh, made a number of offers, and nothing stuck. Well, my first deal. Now, his offers oh. deals were owner finance type situations, right? I mean, there was, it wasn't really a big thing on wholesaling unless I didn't buy that part of the course, but it was more like owner finance kind of things, right? Like you carry the paper. Uh, I remember his big thing was you get cash at the closing <laughs> and like getting agents to carry their commission as a note and all this kind of stuff. I, <laughs> well, I knew, I knew just enough to be, to be da dangerous. Um, yeah. I did know a little bit about wholesaling, a tiny bit, um, but but you're you're right. Uh, the owner financing was something that just blew my mind at the time. You mean we can buy pro? And I didn't even know what a deed was. You know, is this piece of paper? Is this like a, a magical? Is this somewhere hidden yeah. away? I mean, I knew I so little. <laughs> so, um, I didn't even know what a mortgage was. So yeah, I'm right there right. with you. It's like where? Yeah, where does that go? Do I? I, I have no idea. Um, and all that can seem like such a big monster. You know, real estate is this big monster, which very quickly I, I found out that it wasn't. Um, my first deal was a woman who called me. I finally got a call. And well, I was getting a few calls, but I finally got a call from a woman who was asking $8,000 for her beautiful three bedroom. Well, three bedroom with a den could be four bed. I turned it into a four, a four bedroom, four bedroom, two bath on a lake. Oh my God. I thought I, I mean, this was divine wow. intervention. What was this lady's problem that she was selling a, a home for eight, eight, $8,000. So I went there and as when I was pulling into the park, which I didn't even, I was so green. I didn't even ask, Oh, this is a mobile home. <laughs> so I pulled into the park and I'm like, what is this? I've never lived in a mobile home. I can't remember any friends having mobile homes when I was grow growing up. So really caught me off guard. I, I knew that they were mobile homes, but 
you know, should I go to this appointment? Should I not? I look 15, you know, I have pimples on my face. I'm driving a terrible car. I got this music blasting to try to get me pump, pumped up. I am scared. I mean, I'm even right now, I got goosebumps telling this story. And right, I can see the home uh, kind of, it's zigzagging through the park and I can see it up here. It must be the one. It's the only double wide on the street. So I know I'm going there and I just get this wave of emotion where I get sick to my stomach and I pull over and I just, I purge on the side, on the side of the road. And I remember wow. thinking, I kind of put down my, my visor and look at myself in the mirror and just kind of wipe my mouth and just, you know, I, not only was I, I scared before, but now my, you know, I, I smell or my, my breath can't smell very good. So it's like, what do I do? Do I go home? Do I, you know, run between my, run home with my tail between my legs? And I ended up, you know, going to the appointment like I, like I said I would. Um, that woman, we ended up negotiating. I purchased her home, not for 8000 It needed just a tiny bit of work. I called uh, Roto-Rooter out there for like three or 400 bucks. But um, I talked uh, the seller into owner financing for $3,000, uh, $300 down and $300 a month. And picked up this and, and really set the bar high. I mean, you know, people listening, they might say, well, that's a really good deal, but really set the bar high. And if I didn't do so well on those, on these first few, few deals, it's so easy to overspend money or overpay on a mobile home. But these first few deals really set me up well. John, what do you Uh, mean by setting the bar high? Oh, well, very good question. The, um, this mobile home that I purchased, uh, I, I should go into what I resold it for. Um, I purchased it for the 3000 on payments. You know, three hundred down, three hundred a month for uh, nine more months. I actually discounted it after uh, I think four months. I called the seller and told her I'd give her about fifteen hundred, and wow. she took it. Um, but anyway, when I resold the home, I sold it three times total. The first time, and these are rough numbers because I'm not looking at them in front of me. Uh, the first time I sold it, I think it was twenty seven five on uh, payments. $27,500. I got $2,500 down. I remember it being around this time, like tax time-ish. So I got about $2,500 down, uh, $750 a month, which included the lot rent. So it was about three or $400 cash flow to me. After about two years, these people flaked out and they left, which was very common. In the first few years, I had everyone you know, leave. Nobody, nobody stayed around. And I'm, I'm, I'm selling these homes, mind you, at the time. You know, I don't want to rent them. I'm selling them. People can do their own repairs. So the first time I sold it for, I think, $27,500. The next time I sold it for in the low 30s. And then the last time I sold it for the high 30s. And those folks actually stayed. They just paid me off um, early last year, finally. So <laughs> Wow. Wow. Uh, on, that, on that first property. So what I meant by setting the bar high was I could have purchased it for 8000 and obviously, you know, it would have been profitable, but it would have taken me over two years to get my money back had mm-hmm. I, you know, bought it for 8000 Now, again, not a, not a deal breaker, but it just, again, set the bar high for me to see. And, and this seller, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have a gun to her head. She was very happy to do this deal with me. And, and my back was kind of against the wall. I was young. I didn't have much money. So I could do what I could do. But ultimately, that first deal was the uh, first of many. It, it, it opened my eyes to this business. And my second deal was a mobile on land. My next five were mobile homes. The next five were mobile homes. <laughs> so, so, And you found probably you didn't even have much competition for these deals either, did you? That was it. I didn't have a lot of competition. I realized quickly that you know financing kind of sucks. Uh, buyers are kind of flaky. And then there's not a lot of investors doing this. In fact, in my local real estate groups, I was... 
I, I'm kind of, uh, I kind of fed that, uh, you know, stigma that we don't want to talk about this business because I didn't. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to do mobiles. You know, that's not prestigious. I didn't want to tell my friends <laughs> that. But then I realized there's a lot of money in this. I mean, there's and the money's green and I'm helping people. So relatively quickly, I would say maybe five to six months, which doesn't sound that quick, actually. I, I became very, uh, I, I, you know, took on that personality. You know, mobile homes, I love them. Big ones, fat ones, skinny ones, ugly ones. I'm your guy. You know, <laughs> send them my way. So. <laughs> wow. So, you know, this is really fascinating to me because every time I'm pulling a list of owners to send mail to or I'm looking through Craigslist, I give my VAs very clear instructions. Avoid all mobile homes. You know, don't send any mail to mobile homes. Um, and if you see an ad on Craigslist that looks like a mobile home, just pass it. <laughs> And uh, here you are taking these deals. And so is this still what you're doing today? You're buying most of them with owner financing? No, uh, on land, absolutely. In so parks. If, what does that mean on land? If the mobile home is on land? Oh, great question. There's, there's a few types of mobile homes. I suppose the mobile homes themselves are the same. But mobile homes can be just in a park where you would rent the land. So as an investor, I would just buy the, the um, home. Because I can't buy the land because they, the park rents out the land. So I'm just buying the home, you know, $5,000, give or take, for the home, the walls, the roof, the appliances. Okay. Uh, I, I can also buy a home that's attached to private land. There's a little piece of land that the home's on, maybe a, ten, a, ten, a tenth of an acre, or, you know, five or ten acres. And then there's one mobile home plopped, plopped in the middle. Um, or two or three mobile homes on that one piece of land. So that that's what I mean by it's attached to land or it's you know so it's, with, it, it's with land. If it's attached with land, obviously that's going to be more expensive. And so you're buying those with owner financing. Those with owner financing uh, a lot a lot of times uh, in parks with owner financing some of the times. Uh, okay. Yes. And so when you pay cash, that's when you're renting the land underneath it. Or I can get a fantastic deal with the mobile home on land. Okay. Or okay. Or I'm buying a home on somebody else's land, and then I'm going to move it from where it currently is over to, you know, a different location. That's another option as well. Then I would pay cash for that home. Uh, how hard is it to rehab these mobile homes and fix them up? I am a. I learned very quickly that my hand-eye coordination is awful. So I, uh, I, I know repairs. I can do repairs, but I personally don't do them. Um, yeah. A lot of the homes that I personally sell need some degree of cosmetic work, possibly minor structural work, but usually just cosmetic. And I would rather sell a home like that um, because it attaches the buyer, you know, the, the tenant buyer who's going to be typically making payments on this home. You know, they're doing a little bit of work to the home, so they get attached to their property. They're painting it. They're putting in new carpet here and there. Um, they're doing cosmetic work, so they're making it their own. So I like to sell homes needing a tiny bit of work, but ultimately, if we get a home that needs a lot of work, um, water's the main enemy of a mobile home. So anywhere it can come in, it's going to damage the home. Uh, the window sills, uh, anywhere along the perimeter of the home, underneath the wet, the wet areas. So really, a big part of this business, besides maybe just up, updating a home, you know, putting in a little bit more modern appliances. Um, and changing the carpet to take out the shag rug and, you know, change all the old colors from the 1980s. It's pretty much fixing soft spots and floors, um, tarring the roof, you know, re-securing the roof, making the home 
safe and secure. These homes we think of, you know, being mobile and they're, you know, when they were built in the seventies, they didn't have much, uh, government, uh, oversight and you sure. could kind of build, it was the wild west, so to speak nowadays. And even for the past 20, 30 years, manufactured homes, uh, I've never had to make a claim with insurance, knock on wood. Uh, I have a lot of homes in tornado alley or the hurricane areas. And again, no claims. These homes are really, really well made. And when you have good people inside of them, you know, taking care of these homes, they last. So fixing up homes doesn't take long. It typically doesn't take a lot of money. What you see is what you get. There's a, you know, like there's an out, there's an exterior of the mobile home. There's the uh, joists or the frame of the mobile home with the insulation. And then there's the paneling or the dry, the dry, the drywall. So there's really just a few parts of these homes. Right, right. And there's not, there's not a lot to fix. So basically you'll come mm-hmm. in and make it watertight, right? Yes. So you may, great way you may, to say that. You'll patch the roof, caulk the windows, uh, fix any soft floors, and, but then you you will leave some of it, like painting and flooring, maybe, to the new homeowner. Correct, and that's actually a that's something that a lot of our buyers now buyers that are going to pay cash, buyers that are going to get a bank loan. That's they're 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 different. You know, if you're going to sell something cash, you should fix that home up to the nines. Um, to make it comparable with everyone else okay. or, you know, with, with everyone else selling, you know, you got to sell a nice property, but if you sell with regards to, um, a lot of the ways we sell is, uh, payments. And if you sell with monthly payments, you're going to find that your buyers are going to prefer to make those repairs. And the, the less money that you have to put out, you know, let's face it, every money that you, every dollar that you invest in a mobile home, you have to recoup that before you make a profit. So a lot of our buyers would prefer to actually purchase that home to get in a little bit less and then do the work that they know they can do because they're they're handy a lot a lot of the times and they can do that over, you know, the first week or two after nice. after moving in. Nice. And so you're selling these with you're you're buying them with either cash or with seller financing. What are your and then you're selling them Usually with owner financing or at least purchase, right? With owner financing, occasionally rent if we can get away with it, you know, legally, of course, and uh, or or selling for cash or bank financing. Some homes definitely do qualify for bank for bank financing. Um, other areas of the country and during tax time, you know, you can get a little bit more money cash or there's more chance of a selling a, a home for cash. So if I can sell a property and double or triple my money with cash, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I might do it. But typically... You, what you said is correct. Yeah, we would either owner finance or rent those homes out. So, what's your minimum criteria per deal when you sell it? I mean, do you, how much cash flow do you need to have? How much equity do you need to have? Oh, good question. So, the sort of the I'd say maybe a litmus test of of with regards to when you sell it, or you know, what homes do I want to invest in? Uh, for everyone that I'm working with or help or you know, point in the right direction, whenever you resell a manufactured home, let's say on payments. Um, and if you can sell for cash, you know, aim to double or triple your money pretty quickly. But if you're selling on payments, uh, we want to recoup all of our money, ideally in the first year. We're typically selling around five to seven years worth of uh, payments, you know, to our, our from our from our tenant buyer, and we want to try to recoup our invested capital as investors for the acquisition cost, the holding cost, any repairs. We want to get that all back in the first year, uh, and then everything after that would just be cash flow and profit. Nice. That's a real good rule of thumb. <laughs> real good rule of thumb. You get your money back, you start buying more deals. 
Um, what now? Are you doing this virtually, John? In in the other markets outside of your own? I am. However, I have people that are motivated and that I trust on the ground. Uh, if this, if I didn't have people on the ground, and that's a question that I get asked, uh, you know, quite often just from you know newer folks is you know is this something i could do virtually or remotely and without you being there physically we we don't have to spend a lot of time and for every seller maybe you know we're doing some things by phone maybe in person you have to be there 3 hours maybe and that's if you're really talkative you know you there's not a lot of time that we have to spend with the actual seller or the home but having someone there that can be your feet and your eyes and your ears um is definitely invaluable so, so uh, the only time I'm doing it remotely is if I have people there that I like and trust or, and are v- invested in the deal. With now, me. are these are these the guys that are fixing it up themselves, like your handyman, or are they other investors? These would be other investors. Okay. Handyman, it's kind of interesting. The and this is just my experience. I'm sure there's handymen listening that don't feel the same way. But um, with with handymen, you know, and I and I've tried to kind of. You know, partner with them. Hey, you know, do this work for free. I'll put up the mobile home. We can split the profits. You know, maybe not 50-50, but we can split the profits. Um, and handymen just don't see – maybe it's just the whole kind of uh, employee mentality. Um, but it's, it's almost that they don't see that big picture. So, you know, doing this with a handyman, I feel like you would have to pay them hourly, you know, to really incentivize them. They don't see that bigger picture of, look, I'm going to partner with you and I'm going to get money in the long run. Yeah, sort of speak. So that's just you know, kind of my experience, FYI. But. Okay. Now, when you're selling these with owner financing uh, to get around Dodd Frank, uh, you're, you're using licensed loan originators, right? Correct. Uh, on land, we always use licensed loan originators. Um, very, very black and white. In parks, uh, occasionally, depending on the exit strategy or the not the exit strategy, but depending on the deal, we'll use a loan originator in a park and a closing attorney. Um, otherwise, in a park, we use a combination of uh, non-secured um, uh, promissory notes and trusts um, when we can. Um, so it's a so it's a combination of uh, all three. There's it's not a, it's on a case by case basis. I guess I'd say okay. every deal is a little different. <laughs> now you did mention tenant buyers. Do you st- sometimes structure lease purchases with these two? On land, we can. Uh, in parks, a lot of parks won't want you to lease. Sublease, subrent, rent, sublet. Parks wants you to sell day number one. So in parks, uh, we don't often lease the home because they won't let us. Some parks will a lot around military bases. Renting is a little bit more common. The park will allow you to re, you know, to rent the home out as long as the person's approved. But normally, the park wants to see okay, the person in the home, they're the owner. Okay. So. Yeah, that makes sense. They probably take better care of the home when they are. Absolutely. So talk a little bit like you're doing this business now. What's a typical month look like? If you don't mind sharing some numbers, how many deals do you buy a month typically? What kind of cash flow are you getting on your inventory? Sure. So the... I uh, started this uh, in my own business in the Florida market and then moved to Texas, uh, now helping folks around the country. I also have my first park uh, in, in Kansas, which I'm super, super stoked about. Uh, it's 110 lots, and I'm slowly filling it up. It's at about a 50% occupancy right now, so I'm filling that up. Um, last year, moved in eight <clears> – <throat> excuse me. Moved in approximately eight homes, and then this year plan on moving in ten. So part of my business is kind in of that, scat- in that park you're talking about. 
Right. Yeah. So part of my business now, everything I've built up in the Florida and Texas markets, you know, I know, I know other investors, I know park owners, I know park managers, I know the brokers and realtors, you know, and more importantly, they all know me. You know, I have this track record of, you know, John's kind of the mobile home person, like at least call him up and see what he'll, you know, see what kind of offers or what he, what he thinks. So I've built that up in Florida and Texas. So my business now is kind of morphing a little bit into park ownership and now trying to fill up my own park. So I am doing some things remotely, like I said, while I'm in Austin, I'll fill up, you know, I'll, I'll purchase a home in Kansas. I'll, um, I have somebody there that can go look at it. I'll have my mover move the home. I'll have my handyman fix it up. I'll have the unofficial realtor in the park sell it. And then my park manager, you know, does all the paperwork. Um, that's part of my business. The other part is, is the individual homes just on their own land or in parks around me in Austin or back, you know, back in Tampa where I'm from. Yeah. I, I still get leads fairly regularly there. Um, so a lot of what I do is by phone. Uh, I do have to go to appointments, obviously, on a, on a you know, semi-regular basis every week, a couple appointments here and there. Um, calling up park managers and you know, really keeping in touch with, with important people in this business, other investors, the parks, advertising. Um, as far as management goes, that's why I love the park so much is because we have those, those, those park managers. Yeah, that's um, even interesting. with mobiles on land, you know, we are selling these homes. So now I'm, I am renting some, but even, even while renting, and you know, I, I'd love to kind of hear what your thoughts on this, Joe, but um, I know the first few years while I was investing, I, I had a 100% turnover rate. Nobody was staying in my home. I would, I would put people in, just awful people. You know, in hindsight, they were just, they had no jobs, uh, evictions, they were living, you know, they were practically homeless at the time. Like I put ter- bad choices of people, high-risk people into my homes. And nowadays, that's the opposite. I've had two people had to leave last year. They called me well in advance. And nowadays, it's, I have, I forget about who's in my places. And I, I actually like that. Like, I, you know, they don't cause me problems. The only people I can actually think of right now on the top of my head are the ones that always pay late and kind of give me problems. <laughs> but, but so you're just much better at pre screening them now. You're more so. Maybe that's, that's what it is. So it's, I mean, the, the management is non existent. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess I'm just better pre-screening people now. Now, how do you find your deals? What is, are you doing marketing regularly to find these kinds of homeowners that want to sell their their mobile home? Oh my goodness, absolutely. Most of the deals that we purchase never they never go to Craigslist. They're never um, online, you know, on the, any sort of uh, listing service that you would find them to. So turning over every rock. I mean, you know, obviously. Uh, Common sense things, you know, driving through the park, talking to the managers, maybe putting out a bandit sign or two. You know, those work. The same things that work with single-family homes, well, that's not true. A lot of the same things that work for single-family homes work for mobile homes. And then some unorthodox things, you know, for mobile homes, uh, you know, they work as well. And we have mobiles on land. We have mobiles in parks, ones that have to be moved. So there's just you have to know kind of where to find them and then really turn over every rock. Let everyone know you know, who it is and how you can help. Again, there's not a lot of us are doing you, this. Are you doing direct mail? Direct mail to uh, mobile homes attached to land, yes. Park managers typically will frown upon that. You can ask permission, but you'll almost always hear a no. You know, hey, may I, you know, mail to people in your park? You know, send them a postcard or, 
Hmm. And uh, you'll, you'll typically usually hear a no. We can usually get away. The park managers will allow us to put sort of a, a flyer on a bulletin board. Most parks have some sort of bulletin board or, or by the mailboxes. You know, That's you can put a flyer. Why would they care? Um, this is – I don't have any facts on this, but from my – every time I've asked, you know, just sort of read people's facial expressions. It's almost a – if they really like you – and they, they have more of an attachment to you than the park, then they would probably let you do it just to be friends with you. But otherwise, most park managers, are, you know, they're logical. They care about their community. They want what's best for their community. And I th- think that comes across as just soliciting. So they hear it. You know, they hear what you want to do. They think soliciting in their mind. And they don't, you know, it's not an attack against you. It's just, no, we don't, you know, please don't do that. And then if you do it without asking them, it's, it always gets back to the park manager. I've done it a number of times and they're not mean, but they will call you up or, you know, hey, John, wow. is this you? Or they'll just call and say, hey, you know, did you get permission to mail in here or who said this? And they're just watchdogs for the park. Um, so that's just what I found. If you find something different, you know, folks that are listening, by all means, you know, direct mail would work. But there's but I will say that there's other ways for sure that we can get our message across. Um, to okay. those, to those same, to those same folks. So, what would you tell somebody, John, who's interested in learning more about this, who wants to maybe start doing it, investigating it themselves? Um, sure. how, how does someone get started? Sure. Well, mobile homes, you know, they're. I'm sure right now, as we're filming this, there's got to be somebody on the hood of a car signing their title over to somebody else in this country. So, mobile homes, you know, the deals happen every day. Uh, you can buy them, you can sell them. Uh, you know, you can do a skinny deal all day long. And before I started helping people, and I, I can remember this, um, I was doing a hosting on of this real estate club in Tampa and people, you know, they knew what I was doing, you know, mobile homes. Cause I would solicit it. Hey, if you know mobile homes or you have any deals, you know, you get any leads, bring them to me. <clears throat> and I was hosting this meeting and people knew what I was doing, but they didn't ask me for help. They just went out and did it. And I realized then, and it didn't work out for them, not one of the people, um, it's so easy in this business to, and these are the four main kind of umbrella areas where people not only do bad deals, but they do, they do a bad deal. And then if you've ever talked to somebody in the mobile home business, they're that jaded investor. Yeah. Don't do this. I have a friend that lost money or, you know, he, this guy ran them around in circles and uh, you can, so the four areas that you can, are, you know, that a lot of people, if they don't have training, will make these mistakes. They'll overpay for a mobile home. So easy to overpay. Overimprove the mobile home, hmm. which, and I say overpay and overimprove, you're basically putting way more money into the home and it's going to take you two or three years to get your money back. Or if you sell the home on cash, which you hope, which again, there's, in most areas, there's more sellers than there are cash buyers and everyone's fighting over those same cash buyers. So, over overpaying for a mobile home, over improving a mobile home, putting too much money into it um, is going to suck because you're not going to get your money back out as quickly as you need to. Uh, the third thing that you can do is there's a lot of things you can do, but the third sort of big umbrella mistake that people make is by putting the wrong people in their home. If you are going to collect payments, you know you have to know the you know Dodd Frank Safe Act, all the seller financing and truth and lending new laws, but putting the wrong person in there 
is it was a nightmare. I can't believe I lasted for my first three years. I'm a glutton for punishment because of all the crap I've taken, um, you know, and just following my heart and being just bulldozed, you know, steamrolled over and over again. Uh, and I learned, and I learned a lot. But putting the wrong people in your home is a uh, it just will give you such anxiety, so many headaches. You're chasing people around for money. And it's, and it's just that person. Like you could have got a good person in there and you wouldn't have had any of these problems. So putting the wrong people in and then not charging enough when you sell or leaving literally two or three years of payments on the table, yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars. So just selling a home for too skinny. So to go back and loop back to your question about what should people do, educate yourself. Before you go out there and pull a trigger – and you know, talk somebody down from twenty thousand down to ten thousand in a park, and think that you're, you know, God's gift to negotiations here. Um, you know, talking somebody down fifty percent doesn't mean that the deal's good. Having a free mobile home doesn't mean that the deal is good. Um, so there's a lot of uh, moving parts to the to these deals. I would say, if I, you know, if I could, kind of, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, educate yourself would be. You know, you can always pull the trigger later. There'll always be a lot of these, you know, these people will, there'll always be mobile home sellers. And unfortunately, a lot of mobile home people, I won't say a lot, many are paycheck to paycheck. So, you know, these, these homes are going to pop up. So don't feel about, you know, don't feel like you're missing out on a deal. So I really hope that that makes sense. I just don't want anybody getting into a bad situation. So educate yourself is for what sure, I would say. For sure. And I wish we could talk more about this. Uh, I, I have to end this podcast here. I know Alex uh, got disconnected, so I apologize. He's not on anymore. But, John, how can people get a hold of you, get more information about your uh, properties and how you do this stuff? Sure. Uh, there's a lot of great information over at mobilehomeinvesting.net. Mobile uh, been putting, home. Okay. Yeah, mobilehomeinvesting.net. been putting uh, my stories there and, uh, you know, a ton of free content, and that's how people can reach me and, you know, feel never feel uh, hesitate or never hesitate to reach out. So you have you, any questions. you do do some coaching and you actually partner with students on deals too, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if they're you know the folks listening, if you're that go getter that is going to be in your area and you're the one making a name for yourself and finding deals and closing these properties and you know, I mean, obviously, I'm helping as much as I can. But my goodness, you know, for somebody that's that motivated and dedicated, I know what I was like when I got started and the the zero help I received. Uh, so absolutely. I mean, I would be, you know, uh, very fortunate to work with anyone that's, you know, very motivated and really ready to build this type of business. Excellent, John. Well, this, this has been really informative, jam-packed with good information. And I know there's people out there. I'm, I'm definitely interested in learning more about this strategy because I, I turn away a lot of these kinds of deals and it would be helpful to know what to do with them. So again, guys, if you want to get more information about John, go to mobilehomeinvesting.net, mobilehomeinvesting.net. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. And guys, listen, if you're listening to this and you haven't been paying attention because you're driving and traffic is horrible, we actually will have a transcription of this podcast at realestateinvestingmastery.com. So if you want more information, get a transcription of this, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. If you want more information on John, mobilehomeinvesting.net. All right. It's been really good, John. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks, everyone. All right.